this, Matthew chapter number 5. To read the entirety of this message, we would have to start in chapter number 5, and we would have to end in chapter number 8. I'm not going to read that much scripture tonight, but I will just read a couple of verses tonight on a way of getting us prepared uh, for what this text is fixing to show us and ask the Lord to speak to our hearts. I'm still uh, praying about and thinking about and looking at and considering all of the spiritual gifts that people in this church has, uh, where God has blessed you and where you need to be placed, uh, the area in your life that you can best serve in this body of Christ so that everyone can, can enjoy uh, serving the Lord together. We can be a complete body, uh, not lacking in any areas, and just keep moving forward for the kingdom of Christ and for his glory and his honor. And uh, I'm looking forward to that. I'm still praying about it. I've been praying about it today and seeking the Lord and trying to get my mind back on uh, the vision for this church and the direction that God is wanting to send us in and uh, trying to get out of vacation mode and out of uh, so many different things that's been going on in my life and trying to really get focused back on what Christ wants for this church. And the Lord led me to these verses as I was praying today in my prayer closet, and I pray it will be a help and encouragement to all of us. Matthew 5, verse number 1. says, And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain, speaking of Jesus. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying... There's a lot of things that Jesus is fixing to say. There's a lot of things that Jesus is fixing to teach. We're going to read verse number 3. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you so much that you love us. Thank you, Lord, for the word of God and how powerful it is. And I ask, Lord, that you would fill me with your spirit. Lord, that you'd speak to us this evening through the scriptures, and God, you would encourage us and help us. Show us what we need to see. Help us to be able to hear what we need to hear. Help us to apply to our lives personally what needs to be applied. We'll thank you and we'll praise you for all that you do, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for standing. Thank you for being here. I noticed first off as I began to study from, verse number, from chapter number 5 through to chapter number 8, I noticed here that Christ had a plan, that Christ had a plan. I'm always reminded when I see how Christ had things set up and the way that he did things in the scriptures, it reminds me that I have to have a plan. It reminds me that we need to have a plan. Christ had a plan. Uh, see, I, I realize when I read these first verse that in seeing the multitude, see, Christ was aware of all the people. Christ seen every single person that was there. And if Christ sees that multitude of people was there, then he knows what each one of those people needed. Just as he knows what I need tonight and Christ knows what you need tonight. And he knows the multitude needs help. All of these people that would gather around Jesus, no matter who they were, 
whether it would be the Pharisees or the scribes or, or the governor or, or whoever, whether it be the multitude or the sick, the lame, uh, the disciples, uh, the women, the men, the children, each and every person that Christ would be around, he knew that they all had needs. Just like each and every one of us here this evening, we all have needs. Everyone always has some sort of need. And let me remind you and I that Christ, he knew the multitude's needs. And then we see in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, it says, And when Christ saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion on them. No doubt when Jesus Christ seen this multitude of people and when he went up to this mountain area and when he sat down and he called his disciples to come unto him and Jesus began to open his mouth and he taught them saying, and then there's a lot of things that, that Jesus said, uh, no doubt Christ knew the needs no doubt that Christ had compassion on every single person that he would walk or they would walk upon where he was at. No doubt when Christ sees uh, 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 them, he has compassion. That is the reason that the Lord dealt with me about this. The reason that, that the Lord gave the commission is because the Lord had compassion. If you will just hear those words right there, I believe that the Lord could help us tonight. I believe the reason that the Lord gave the commission is because we know that the Lord had compassion. And the commission is Matthew 28, 19, uh, chapter uh, 28, verse 19 and 20, when he says, go ye therefore. The reason that commission was given is because no doubt that Christ has compassion. I want to notice some things here in these verses. Notice, first off, that it says that in seeing the multitude, he went up. He went up. I think this is very simple, but I believe it's something that we can all apply to our lives. Notice it says that he went up. That tells me that Christ had a place. Christ had a place. He went up. Seeing the multitude, he went up, and he went up into a mountain. And then we see that not only that he went up, but it says, and he was set. And seeing the multitude, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set. So not only did Christ have a place, but Christ also had a time. And then we see in verse number two, it says, and he opened his mouth and he taught them, saying. So we see Christ's plan, and this is Jesus Christ's plan. Christ had a place where he was going. Christ had a time that he needed to be there. But more than anything, Jesus Christ had a message that he needed to give. Now here's what I want to challenge you with this week. I, I would challenge you and I to pray, Lord, where is it that you would have me to go this week? Where is my place? Then I would challenge you with this. If the Lord deals with you about a place, then pray and ask the Lord, okay, Lord, what time do I need to go there? So, Lord, give me my place where I need to go. Lord, give me the time that I need to go there. And then when I get there, Lord, give me the message that I need to share. Give me the message that I need to share. It's been a long time ago, and some of you will remember this story, and some of you will not. I remember I hadn't been pastoring here long at all, and, and I was driving over here to this church one day. 
And the Holy Spirit began to deal with me to go to a place. How many of you remember where the Lord dealt with me to go? You remember where did I go? Ingalls. The Lord dealt with me said, I want you to go to a place. And I said, Lord, where do I go? Where do you want me to go? And the thought come to my mind, go to Ingalls. So I went to this Ingalls right over here. And the thought come to me, go up to the green bench and sit there and read your Bible. That was the place and that was the time. And I knew that the Lord wanted me to go there. And when I went to the place and I got there at the time that I was supposed to be there, I sit down on that green bench at Ingalls and the doors was opening and closing as people was coming in. I had my Bible in my lap. I said, okay, here's what I'm going to do, Lord. I'm going to try to obey you. I'm going to try to be obedient to what you'd have me to do. I was a nervous wreck. I mean, my insides was jittering. I didn't know what God was wanting to show me. I didn't know what the Lord was trying to teach me, whether it's just being obedient or what God wanted me to do. But I sit there and I said, all right, Lord, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to read one chapter in the Bible. And when I finish reading that one chapter in the Bible, I'm going to get up and I'm going to go back to my truck and I'm going to get out of here. I was a nervous wreck and I never will forget this. The Lord sent me to a place and the Lord sent me at a specific time and the Lord give me a message. Listen close now. As I was sitting there and I was reading down through the scriptures, I was looking down, I'd see people coming and I'd look up at them and they'd walk by. The doors would open, I'd look up at them and they'd walk by. And I'd keep reading and I kept reading, people walking up and I'd look and it was like no one even was acknowledging I was sitting there and I had no idea what the Lord was wanting to do in my life. And I was sitting there and I was down to just about the very last verse in that chapter. And I never will forget it, those doors and angles opened. A gentleman come walking out and he seen me sitting on that green bench and this is what he said to me. He said, are you Pastor Keith? I looked up at him. I said, yes, I am. He said, I don't know if you remember me or not, but me and my family, me and my wife, used to come up to Friendship where you pastored uptown. I said, yeah. And he said, I feel like the Lord wanted me to tell you something. I said, okay. He said, I feel like the Lord wanted me to tell you that no matter how silly it might seem, No matter whatever it is that the Lord tells you to do, I feel like the Lord wants me to tell you, son, just do what God is telling you to do. I said, well, I appreciate that. Now, I wanted to say, you're not going to believe this, man. I was driving that, but I didn't. I just sit there. I I let the Lord give the message that I needed to receive. And I said, thank you, Jesus. And the man, I said, where do you live at? He said, I live over here on Rims Creek. He said, sometime if you want to come by and see me, come by and see me. And, And he walked away. And when the man walked away, the Lord reminded me, listen, there is a place that I will need you to go. There is a time that I will need you to be there. And there is a message that will be given. Either you will give the message or either you will receive the message. But let me remind you and I, Jesus Christ had a plan. Jesus Christ went to a place. He went to a mountain. He sat down and he had a message to give. And he, and he taught that message to his disciples and whatever multitude was there, Jesus began to teach the message. So I want to challenge you. 
Start praying now. Lord, where is my place? What is the time? And what is the message? No matter, listen, child of God, no matter how silly it may sound to you, whatever you do, go to the place, be there at the right time, and be ready to either give the message or to receive the message because the Lord just might have something special just for you. Do you believe that or not? You think that's foolish preaching? You think this is foolish thinking or foolish talking? See, I'm going to tell you what, child of God, please hear this. The Lord has a desire to use you. And the Lord has a desire to use me. The Lord wants to use us. But you and I must be available for him to use us. You have got to get your mind and your heart, your spirit, your soul. We have got to get our minds fixed on him. And we've got to say, okay, Lord, send me, show me, and direct me to where I need to be. Notice he went up. Notice he went up. Christ had a place. Notice that he sat. Christ had a time. And notice in verse number 2 that he opened his mouth. Christ had a message. This was not an accident that Christ set this up. This was a planned event that Christ was going to use and he was fixing to teach his disciples and a multitude of people some spiritual truths in the word of God. Amen? You and I call it coincidences. There is no coincidences with the Lord. Do you understand that? He has a plan. He has a purpose. He sets things in motion. Boom, there it is, and you go, wow, I can't believe this just happened. But nothing takes the Lord by surprise. He has a plan. He has a purpose. He has a commission. He just wants you and I to have compassion on the multitude. And he opened his mouth. Notice with me. Look at verse number one of chapter number five. And seeing the multitude, he went up into a mountain. Now turn to chapter number 8. I want to show you this and then we'll get into the message. Turn to chapter number 8. And you'll notice through all of this Christ teaching. Notice what it says in chapter 8 verse number 1. And when he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. So you and I this week, you and I this week, we need to carefully read Matthew chapter number 5. Chapter number 6 and chapter number 7. Chapter number 5, chapter number 6, and chapter number 7. Chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7. Just read it. Meditate on it. Think about it. Take in this message. Take in this teaching. Take in the Word of God. Just spend some time this week reading. Don't get caught up. Listen, don't get caught up. And trying to read 10 chapters. Don't get caught up in trying to read five hours. Just sometime this week, try to get caught up in reading chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7 of the book of Matthew and let the Lord speak to our hearts. Amen? Are you with me? Say amen. All right, we see Christ's plan in verses 1 and 2. Christ's plan. 
But next, I want to share this, and I'm not going to get into all of it. I'm just going to share one more verse tonight. One more verse. We see Christ's plan, but from verses 3 down through 11, and it goes on, but just for the next little point, from verses 3 through 11, we see Christ's promises. Christ's promises. Now, I want you to notice something with me, and then we're going to get on into this one verse, and we'll be finished this evening. I want you to notice what verse 3 starts with. What's it start with? Everybody say it out loud. Say it. Blessed. Verse number 4. Blessed. Verse number 5. Blessed. 6. Blessed. 7. Blessed. 8. Blessed. 9. Blessed. 10. 11. There it is. If I counted those right, count for me, Ben. How many blesseds are there there? Count them up for me real quick. 9. Nine of them. From verse number 3 to verse number 11, Jesus' words in each verse starts with the word blessed. Blessed. I had no idea. I've never really studied this chapter. I've never really looked into these words to see what they meant. But if you look up that word, those nine times it's mentioned from verse number 3 to verse number 11, it is the identical same word in the Greek. Sometimes there'll be variations, but not here in Matthew chapter number 5. These nine blessings is the same identical Greek word. Now, this is what's amazing to me, that I had no idea what that word meant, but this set me back in my study today and blessed me so much. So please listen to the definition that Jesus thought was important enough that he used it nine different times in very short sentences. Listen to what this word means, child of God. Please hear it. If you need to write down the definition, write it down. This is what it means. It means spiritual joy... And satisfaction that lasts regardless of conditions. Spiritual joy and satisfaction that lasts regardless of conditions. That it carries one through pain, sorrow, loss, and grief. Let me read it again. Nine times the word blessed is used. Spiritual joy and satisfaction that lasts regardless of conditions, that carries one through pain, sorrow, loss, and grief. What Jesus is starting his teaching with, he is teaching his disciples, teaching whoever was listening, teaching you and I tonight, there are nine things right here. Nine, that if you would just look at them, if you would just meditate on them, if you would just, just think on them, if, if, but more than anything, if there was some way that you could just apply these nine things in your Christian walk, <laughs> you would have spiritual joy and satisfaction. I didn't say worldly joy. Can I hear a main man on that? I said spiritual joy. I didn't say worldly satisfaction or some kind of fleshly satisfaction. I said spiritual joy 
and spiritual satisfaction that will last regardless of the condition, regardless if you're happy, if you're hurting, if you're grieving, if you're bearing all kinds of burdens. He said this word blessed nine times brings you spiritual joy and satisfaction regardless of the condition that you're in. And when I read that definition, I said, man, man, Lord, please help me. Please, Lord, help me to grasp these nine things. If, 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 Because I don't know about you, but I'm a blessing hog. I want all the blessings I can get. And right now in my life, there is a lot of extra stress. Right now in my life, there is a lot of distractions. And more than anything, right now in my life, spiritually, I need to have joy and satisfaction in my spirit. I am tired of fulfilling the lust of the flesh. I am tired of fulfilling everything that this world says that I have to have. Right now in my life, more than any time ever, as a saved man of God, I need joy spiritually in my soul, child. I need satisfaction spiritually way down deep inside of me. Regardless of what my face looks like, I want my soul to be doing cartwheels. Can I hear an amen on that? I need that in the day that I'm living in. So do you. And so do you. So let's look at one. There's no way I was going to read that definition of that word blessed and preach on nine different things tonight because I feel like the Holy Spirit dealt with me and said, listen, you don't rush through this. You don't just get up there and have nine points on blessed and just say, well, I preached a 45-minute message. It don't matter if I preach 10 minutes on one verse and we dismiss. My prayer is, is we'll get some kind of nugget out of the Word of God tonight. Amen? Amen. Nine times. What does the word nine mean in the Bible? What does the word nine mean in the Bible? Nine in the Bible means final. And where we get the definition of that as you can read and you can study that Christ died on the ninth hour. The word nine means final. But you will also read in Galatians chapter number five that there was nine fruit of the Spirit. This nine times is not just thrown in there, Pastor Zach, because Jesus was just looking for another blessed. When these nine blesseds are given... They are given so that when we grasp these nine blessings, boom, it's final. It's final. Does that make sense to you? It's final. There's nine of them. Here's where you can get your joy and your spiritual satisfaction. And you know what he's saying? There's nine of them. It's final. And the Holy Spirit is right in the middle of all of it. Amen? All right. Let me share a little bit about this next verse and then we'll be finished tonight. Because I didn't understand it. I don't know that I've ever tried to understand it. Blessed, blessed. Spiritual joy, satisfaction that lasts regardless of condition. 
that carries one through pain, sorrow, and loss and grief. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's a promise from Jesus, amen? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. If you'll study this in Luke chapter number 6, verse number 20, it just says, blessed be ye poor. But here in Matthew's gospel, he adds, blessed are the poor in spirit. When I begin to study this, comparing Luke's gospel, chapter 6, verse 20, to Matthew's gospel, chapter 5, verse number 3, the idea in Luke's gospel carries on the same idea in Matthew's gospel. And it's almost what Pastor Jason preached at the sunrise service on Sunday. It's real close. It is the rejection of materialism. The rejection of materialism. But the more to acknowledge, but the more, I've studied this man a lot today, but the more to acknowledge our need, not for more of the world, but to acknowledge our need for the Lord. That's what it means. To acknowledge our need for the Lord. When you study the phrase, poor in spirit, it means these things. I studied it, I referenced it, I looked it up, I studied it, I referenced it, and I looked it up. To be poor in spirit means these things. We solely depend on the Lord to meet all of our needs. We solely depend on the Lord to meet all of our needs. You know the reason why so many of us don't have joy spiritually the way we need to have it? Because we're not depending on the Lord to meet our needs. I'm depending on me to meet my needs. I'm I'm depending on the church to meet my needs. I'm depending on a friend to meet my needs. I'm depending on a paycheck to meet my needs. I'm depending on so many things of the world to meet all of my needs. He said, blessed is the poor in the spirit. He said, those people who are blessed and poor in spirit means this. I realize that if my needs are going to be met, they are going to have to be met through Christ and Christ alone. That is where the joy spiritually comes in my life. Are you with me? I studied this a lot. Poor in spirit. He's not talking about poor that you can't eat. He's not talking about poor that you can't, that you can't buy a pair of shoes. He's talking about poor in spirit, in, in your spirit. Now listen now. To acknowledge our eternity apart from the Lord is nothing. We need to acknowledge that our eternity apart from the Lord is nothing. And we need to realize that we are no better than anyone else. To be poor in spirit means this. I am not proud. I am not haughty. And I am not full of self. I realize that if I am going to breathe my next breath, it has to come through the power of the Lord. I realize that if I'm going to be able to walk through this day, I need the Lord's strength to be able to do that.
I realize that if I am going to be able to raise children and help raise grandchildren and pastor this church and be the husband I need to be and the father that I need to be and the grandfather that I need to be and the pastor that I need to be and the friend that I need to be, I need to realize that if I am going to be those things, then I depend, desperately depend on the Lord's presence in my life. Not just every now and then, but every single waking minute of my day, I need the Lord because within myself, I am absolutely, teetotally a zero with the ring kicked off of it. I need the Lord. I need the Lord. Are you with me? need the Lord. To be poor in spirit means this. I read this today. Life does not owe me anything. To be poor in spirit means that you're very appreciative of everything that you have in life. To be poor in spirit. Not only have I been given the blessings of life through the Lord, but I have been given the blessing of eternal life through the Lord. Now, until you realize what it means to be poor in spirit, I don't think you can really grasp it until you realize what is the opposite of being poor in spirit. The opposite of being poor in spirit means, you ready for this? Full of self. Full of self. The reason that so many believers have no joy spiritually is because it is so easy for you and I to get full of self. Everything is about you. You take everything so personal because you feel like it was pushed, pushed towards you. Every word that is said, you take so much offense to it. You know why? Because it's always about you. So the opposite of being poor in spirit, and this is what really helped me to understand what Christ was saying. The opposite of being poor in spirit is full of self. And when people get full of self, guess what happens next, Marvin? When I get full of self, the next thing that happens is I become self-righteous. When I get full of myself, I become self-righteous. I begin to go through this life realizing, thinking to myself, I don't need anyone or anything. I've got this. I don't even hardly need to pray anymore. I don't even really need to seek the Lord over this because I can handle it myself. I can handle it myself. Self-righteous. Full of self. He said, but blessed. Blessed. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Here's your Bible reference, Philippians 3, 9. And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness 
which is of God by faith. That's Philippians 3.9. When we know that we're poor in spirit, this happens. When we know that we are poor in spirit, this is what happens. It turns our hearts and it turns our minds away from so many things of the world. And it turns our hearts and it turns our minds towards Christ. I am the world's worst. I am the king of getting so caught up in things of the world. Possessions, toys, gifts, this, 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 this and that. I am the king of it. And I can always tell when spiritually I am not tuned in with the Lord the way that I need to be because just about my every waking moment is always about things of the world. I'm not talking about sin. I'm not talking about pornography. I'm... I'm not talking about lusting after some other woman. I'm talking about just the things and the pleasures of the world. But I can always tell, Ben, when my heart's desire is to pray and when my heart's desire is to spend time in God's Word and when my heart's desire is to preach the gospel and when my heart's desire is to see people get help from the Lord, I can always tell there's a shift in me spiritually that is taking place. And every single one of us has been there. And we, everyone will go back to those places, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth until Jesus takes us home. <coughs> you believe that? I do too. But blessed, if you and I could understand that, that blessed is the poor in spirit. Ephesians 1.3 We know the Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. You know what else? I didn't realize this, but I was reading a commentary today on just verse number 3, and it's an old commentary that I love to read after. His name's Matthew Henry. Listen to what Matthew Henry said about this. He said, you can always tell the poor in spirit because they carry a burden for the world. They carry a burden for the world. 2 Corinthians 5.14, one died for all. If one died for all, that means that all are dead in their sins. If one died for all, then it means that all are dead in their sins. And the burden of the world, the burden of the world... It is so hard to be self-righteous and full of self and be burdened over lost souls. But if you are poor in spirit, if you are broken and humble and you're serious about serving the Lord, every single person that you see, you will realize they have a soul. And when you realize they have a soul, you will also realize they'll either spend eternity in heaven or they'll spend eternity in hell. And any time that I'm caught up into the things of the world, very rarely do I ever go anywhere and think about people dying and going to hell. But when I'm spending time with Jesus, and I'm praying, and I'm reading my Bible, and I'm seeking the Lord, and there's something in my spirit that is different, every single person that I look at, I'm thinking, man, Lord, do I need to go witness to them? Do I need to say something to them? Lord, do I need to be a witness right here? 
It is all that is on your mind. When is the last time that you was completely consumed with the souls of people? That will tell you how long it's been since you are poor in spirit. Because you realize we need Christ. But not only do we need Christ through every day. Listen now, it all ties together right here. Not only will you and I realize that we need Christ to make it through every day, it'll give you a burden because you will realize that every single person you see needs Christ as Savior. You with me? Every single person you see, you will know that they need Christ as Savior. The burden of the world. We took a spiritual gifts test. I've got the results. And the Lord reminded me today as I was praying over this, just these three verses and the blessings and the joy that can come spiritually no matter the circumstances that are going on around you. You know, I told my wife this and I'll share this with you because I feel like you guys are my family and I can just share whatever's on my heart, I hope. I hope it don't offend you. If it does, I guess it just offends you. But I said, you know, there's been some mornings. There has been some mornings that I've went to my mother's. And like I say, please don't think I'm whining about this because some of you has been down the road a lot further than I've been down it. But there's been some mornings that I've went to my mother's and I didn't feel like going. You say, preach, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. Well, there's some mornings I just didn't feel like going. I just didn't. If I'd offend you, I'm so sorry, but I just didn't feel like getting up and going to mom some mornings. One morning I got over there and she'd knocked her TV over. She said, I need a TV. I said, when you need it? She said, today. I said, all right, we'll go get that thing today. And we had to go to the doctor and, and we had to do blood work and we had to go to Ingalls and, you know, it was just one of them days and and... And physically and mentally, I just wasn't feeling it. Let me tell you something about spiritually. Spiritually. There was something that began to revive in my soul. Mentally and physically, I wasn't really excited about it, but spiritually. Holy Spirit began to rear something up in my soul. And he whispered to me, Micah, the Holy Spirit, it wasn't a man, the Holy Spirit of God whispered to me and said, I'm blessing you right now because biblically you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Vicki, here I was saying, I just don't want to. But here, my spiritual man was jumping up and down saying, you're doing the right thing. You're doing the right thing. You're doing the right thing. Blessed is the poor in spirit. There will be times in our lives that here we're thinking, I just can't. But if you and I would constantly seek the Lord, that he would keep us humble, and that we would realize that we cannot make it without him, spiritually there will be something inside of us called the Holy Spirit of God that will be jumping up and down saying, you're doing the right thing. 
And when I want to make it about me, and the Spirit of God says, don't do it, there'll be something, although you might not get any recognition. You might not get a pat on the back. You might not even get a thank you. But it don't really matter, because in here, spiritually, you will realize I am doing what I am doing, and I'm doing it for Christ alone, because He is the one that's given me the strength to do it. It's because of Him and Him alone that you and I are even here tonight. Don't ever go through your day thinking that you're the man. Don't ever go through the day thinking that that whole day is all about you. It's not. It's all about Christ. That's when that joy and that peace spiritually, no matter the circumstances, will be real spiritually in your life. You might not have a smile on your face, but the Spirit of God will be doing somersaults in your spirit. And that's what matters.